We are grateful for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He talked, he talked and he taught his disciples prior to that terrible day. He foretold his destiny. Actually, four times we talk about three, but he also did it in the upper room, which they usually do not count. So four different times he told them what was going to happen, so it was not a surprise for him. And that's the reason when he went in to the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't just perspiring, but it was blood. But that wouldn't be the last of his blood that they would see. For the rest of it would be that terrible day, that next day in which he was tortured in a way that it's hard for us in this society and civilization to think anybody ever did that to anybody. But Jesus Christ knew. He knew what was going to happen. When we turn into the book of John, the 16th chapter, The 16th verse, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me again. That made absolutely no sense to the disciples. As close as they were, and everything he had said. You remember James and John had been trying to get the best positions on his right and his left side when he went to his kingdom. Even their mother was trying to get them the best side. For they did not envision anything that Jesus Christ had in store. But there's a second verse to that. They had no idea what was ahead of them either. No idea. And even after the resurrection, even after that, they saw Jesus Christ in some places in the book of Acts says 500 times that, th- that he appeared. And still they had, and the word tells us that he, that they doubted him. Many of them still da- doubted him until Pentecost Sunday. Well, it's Sunday for us. But until that point in time, even though he had appeared so many times to them, they still, some of them still had doubts. We remember doubting Thomas because he said, until I see the wounds, I will not believe. Well, they also had their doubts and had already seen the wounds. They had already had meals with him and still they were doubting. Still they were doubting. In the 14th chapter, the 23rd verse Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. Are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me? John 
gave great detail as to the experience of the crucifixion because John was there more so than the others. We remember Peter. Peter who also denied Jesus. But John stayed with Jesus, with Mother Mary, and also with Mary Magdalene. He was there at the crucifixion. But the disciples had all run away once the soldiers had appeared and taken Jesus off. They, it just says that they dispersed. But somehow, some way, they all ended up in the same place. And the scholars believe it's the same upper room in which they had the Last Supper. So they were there. And while they're gathered, we know that Jesus reappeared. And Thomas was not there, and then when he came in, he, that he made that statement. Then, he, uh, then Jesus came back, and he had that discussion with Thomas. So they had so many of these times... And yet they doubted. There are many times that Christians, Christians doubt. And then they carry a lot of guilt because they doubt. I had a young man ask ask me, why didn't I believe? Why was I doubting so much? Certain event in his life, an event he was very emotional about, very disturbed about. And I said, remember, even the disciples had their time of doubts. And they were with Jesus the whole time. It's kind of like in my prayer this morning when I was talking about that man that had spent so much time in the hospital. I've known him I don't know, eight years, something like that. And he's always been a very spiritual person, one that studies the Bible. Like before he goes to Sunday school class, he'll read the lesson in advance because he wants to be prepared to have the discussion. So he studies it. His wife studies it. They have their morning time of worship together in that they're reading the Word of God. But there's still those times when you're going through those most difficult times And you might even say, why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? But I want to assure you, when you have those doubts, that our Lord and Savior is with you. He is not going to turn His back on you. He understands. He understands your doubts and your concerns. You pray for a miracle and you may not see it. And again, you may see it in months later. Or you may see the best answer was no. But we do have those times, like with Shirley Craven, where you lose someone so so close to you. Many of people, Shirley's not one, but many people would start throwing rocks at God and at Jesus. And sometimes they may never come back to worship because they say, where was God? We have been involved in our church for years. Where was God? I believed in Him. I I trusted Him. But where was God when I lost my child? 
Where was God? The answer is God was with them. But they may not have felt it. And obviously they did not see the results that they had longed for. But disciples, and you and I are disciples. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. His disciples many times doubt. But it may be a time in which you're growing stronger and stronger every day and through the weeks. You're stronger than you have ever been before. Who knows if that experience is not going to enable you to be with someone else and counsel them. I tell people that are in prison, you can do more as an inmate than I can as an outside person because they have that in common and, and they, they know. I don't have to tell them. I've never been in jail and I don't plan on going. But somebody that has been there has a special opportunity. I received a call from a young man about oh, four or five weeks ago and he was wanting the Bibles to take back to a jail in which he had been in. He had been back one time and had prayers with individuals, but they wanted Bibles. And he wanted to go back and talk to him, and I was so encouraged, and I wanted him to, because his message could have been so powerful. And please remember what Jesus said. When you go before the judges, when you are being persecuted, by the government, do not worry about what you're going to say. You don't have to write a script out. You don't have to write a paper. But the Lord Himself will give you the words. And you will walk away and say, where did that come from? I know. It happens to me just about every Sunday. Where did that come from? but I know it came from Him. But I'm always amazed that He can even use me to stand up and witness for Him. And maybe that's a blessing I have since I have not always been in the pulpit, that I am so humbled by this opportunity that He can even use me. And I'm sure the disciples... I'm sure the disciples were thinking that about themselves because they were not scholarly folks. They're like, you think about where you work. And then think about the people you can touch. You with me? You thinking? Your ministry is effective with those in your circle. And you don't have to have the Bible class, study class. You don't have to set up Thursday night reading the Bible. You don't have to do that. Your life is a, is a megaphone that says, I am a Christian. Or it can say, I am a hypocrite. It's up to you. Up to you. You make the decision. If they can't tell any difference in you and the other people in the office... 
you're not really spreading the word of Jesus Christ. A member of our church said that he asked his brother, why don't you ever go to church? Because he and his wife were always in church. He says, I work with these guys at the plant. And their language, those that say they're Christians, their language is just as foul as anyone else's. There's as many of them cheating on their spouse as those that are uh, not Christians or going to church Christians. He said, why do I need to go there? I've already got bad habits. I don't need to go to church and then feel guilty about it. So what is the message? You are the messenger. You are the messenger. And what if you change one life? Just one life. No one knows what that one life might do. Just like you throw a pebble into a calm lake and see the ripples. You may just wake up somebody that God really is planning on being His disciple, His follower. Y'all know I'm very fond of reading Max Lucado's writings. And he said he was baptized at the age of nine. I am guessing there was no one else in that room, including his parents, had any idea how many folks that he would touch with his teachings. Some of you have been to Denver City. That's where his dad had his business. Oil area, his dad made sure those oil wells are, are working. And when he'd come in the evening, covered in grease and so on and so forth, you'd have never thought you'd have had a prophet like Max Licato. Joel Osteen was behind the cameras when his father was a minister. He never wanted to be in front of the cameras. He was happy where he was. It was a nice-sized church, very nice, 2,000 members or something of that nature, a nice-sized congregation, television ministry. And then his dad got sick, and when he died, the mantle was passed to him. He was scared to death. That is not anything he ever wanted. But Joel Osteen has literally talked and talked millions, millions. That's not what he had in mind. We may very well have a Max Licato in our community or in your your circle of friends. They may be in Lubbock or Wichita Falls. But maybe it's you the Lord is going to use as his disciple. In Matthew 28th chapter, the 18th verse, Jesus tells his disciples, this is the last time he ever visited. And you will see in there, even though it's his last time to visit with them, it said, and some doubted him. They doubted him, even though he had an ascension. But in his teachings, getting back to that part of it, in his teaching, he gave us the great commandment. And that was to carry the message throughout the world. Now, I'm thinking if there's about ten guys sitting around in a circle and all they have is leather power, meaning on their feet, the leather that they're using is sandals, that's all they have, I'm thinking, how could that ever happen? Let's say we started a campaign here today for light bulbs 
and we were to take it around the world so everybody would have light bulbs. Anybody that had electricity would have light bulbs. How would we go about it? So it goes all over the world, and we have the computers. We have the cell phones. We have all of these social medias. How long do you think it would take us to get the message out that we are trying to raise light bulbs for the world? A little more realistic, how about those that are trying to get water wells in Africa and uh, other places in the world so everyone can have fresh water to bathe in and drink, so little children will have clean water. But look at the message of Jesus Christ and how it has blossomed. We know that in the book of John, he says, he being Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will leave the Holy Spirit with you. That Holy Spirit is with each and every believer. And sometimes we see that we have done something that is just incredible. And we realize it's because Jesus Christ was with us. I am with you always is his message. I tell people gladly that, yes, I am a Christian. But that does not mean that I'm without fault. I tell individuals I'm a Christian and I get strength from Jesus Christ. I'm not pounding a drum. I'm seeking help. Yes, I'm a Christian, and I come to church on a regular basis. Not so people can see me when I walk in. Not so I can stand up here. I come so I can be with you, my church family. And with you, I am stronger. And I do it frequently because I stumble and I fall. And I'm aware of that. I stumble and fall, and sometimes a week's too much space. I need to come back sooner. Because even though I'm a Christian, I do make those mistakes. I have decisions to make. And sometimes I make the wrong ones. And so I come and I try to be with you so I can grow. So I can grow stronger in my faith and wisdom. I'm a Christian. But I'm not saying that so others will think I'm egotistical or prideful or anything else. I say I'm a Christian so they will know that even in my weakened state, I am accepted by Jesus Christ. I am a Christian, and sometimes I too am a hypocrite because I don't do the things that I believe and know are true. I'm a Christian, 
And so many times I have to say to somebody I have hurt, I am sorry. I am sorry for what I have done and the pain I have injected on you. I'm a Christian, and yet sometimes I walk right past somebody that needs a helping hand. I'm too busy. I'm headed who knows where. And like with a good Samaritan, I pass right by him. And yet I'm a Christian. And God gave me an opportunity to help somebody. And like the good Samaritan, I went right on by. You remember that it was the religious leaders, the first two that stopped were both religious leaders that went to the other side of the wall, uh, road when they saw this man on the side of the road that had been beaten. And then a Samaritan, who normally Samaritans and Jews have absolutely nothing to do with each other, and they've been at war of one nature or another for about 600, 800 years. But who stopped? The Samaritan. Couldn't I do the same? Couldn't I? Maybe it's somebody that's really down on their luck and by their dress and by the fact that maybe you can tell by their hair that they haven't had a shower in a long time. But is that my call? So sometimes I'm a hypocrite. God gives me an opportunity because I'm a Christian and I blow it. I'm a Christian But I, too, need to spend more time with the Lord. For I have learned in my 72 years, the more time I spend with Him, the closer I am with Him. I am a Christian, and yet sometimes... I let my ego take over and I think I've done something. But it wasn't me. It was him. He was the one. But too many times I say, I, I'll take care of that. Too many times I do not thank my Lord and my Savior. Yes, I am a Christian, but no, I am not perfect, not even close. But I will end this day as a Christian, praying to my Heavenly Father. I will ask for forgiveness, and I will also be saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And may I be stronger and wiser tomorrow than I was today because I am a Christian. Because you are a Christian. You too will be giving him the praise and the glory forever and ever. Amen.